Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. I love the city I'm in. I love Galveston. I love it. It's taken a while to get used to, but I love it. Um, there's a lot to this town that's different from where I was from in Amarillo. Um, but I don't want to get so caught up in the stuff in the, where I'm missing what Jesus is seeing for Galveston. If you know what I'm saying. I mean, if he's weeping for Galveston, I want to know why. I want to know why. I want to weep with him. Are you in tune with the Lord's heart? In today's message from Pastor James, he shares with you the importance of regularly communing with God. When you take the time to meet with your Lord on a regular basis, his desires become your desires. Your heart is going to start to yearn for the things that please him and not the world. Pastor James explains that your heart will break over the things that break his heart. This matters because it's how you can effectively shine the light of Jesus within you to the community that he's called you to. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Luke chapter 19 as Pastor James continues his message, The Triumphal Entry. On this specific day, they're totally missing it because they can't see past anything. They, all they see is Jesus as a threat. And then they're going to be the ones who next shout out, verse 39, some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Rebuke them. Tell them to be quiet. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're, saying, they're giving this, this praise to you. You need to stop this right now. And Jesus' response to the religious leaders of the day, if they keep quiet, the very stones along the road, these very stones, as the New Living Translation says, would burst out into cheers. The very stones themselves would cry out. And I could imagine at that point in time for the Pharisees, the religious leaders, it's almost like, well, which do you want? You want the people crying out? Or do you literally want some of these stones to start busting out in song? Um, and crying out these very things, because that's probably what would have happened. And that wouldn't have been good for the Pharisees. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And be like, oh, man, like, no, no, let's go back to the crazy people. Let's go back to them. This is looking bad against who? Against us. Because we're spreading the lies about this one man who is causing problems for us. This one guy, Jesus, keeps messing up. I'm going to use this term. I know it doesn't apply, but I'm going to use this term. He keeps messing up church. Jesus keeps messing up church. So we need to get him out of here. We need to get rid of him. That, that is the danger of legalism. That is the danger of religion. The problem religion has is that Jesus keeps messing up church. And you're like, seriously? And he does. And he should. And he should. He should mess up this thing. Because it belongs to him. It belongs to him. And here he is showing up when he's supposed to show up, at the right moment, at the right time. And he has literally, literally checked off everything from the Messiah checklist. And all these religious leaders know that. There is no disputing it. 
You cannot dispute him. One of their very own left their team to join his team. His name is Nicodemus. He did it in the middle of the night. John chapter 3. He sought Jesus out. He became a Christ follower. We know that because he's at the end of the story too when Jesus dies. Some of those guys, they all saw the same thing. It resonated in the hearts of a few, like a Nicodemus. But the rest of these guys are like, they're just so blind and there's they're just such a, an animosity and hatred towards Jesus. The guy who checked off all of your boxes, he's the one you're waiting for. And here he is coming into your town on this specific day recorded in history. And you can't even see him because you're so blinded. You're so blinded by religion and by just the, the legality and the you know, legalism and all that good stuff. They're just, and they, it's, it really is their, their hatred towards him. And, and here's part of why they, they don't like this guy that much. Um, number one, he has already caused problems with them concerning the temple. Now, you'll see it in a second where he causes more problems for them concerning the temple. But when he began his ministry, he showed up in the temple and cleared out all the tables. Because they turned the synagogue, which is their equivalent of, of their church, basically, into a place of business. And it's not even a place of business. It, it wasn't even a place of business. It was a, it was a place of robbery, it was a place where innocent people were taken advantage of in the name of religion. Because here I am, maybe a young man who shows up to present an offering to the Lord for my sins, because that's what was going on. And, you know, maybe I don't have a lot of money, and so this is what I have. This is the best I have to offer to God. And then these religious knuckleheads step in and they say, well, let me see that pigeon. Let me see your pathetic pigeon. And they examine it. And they're like, oh, but see this little spot here? Where? Oh, no, trust us. It's there. He won't take this. God will not be satisfied with your sacrifice. This is dishonoring to God. So here's what you need to do. You need to buy one of our holy, blessed birds. If you had enough money, you could afford a lamb. But it needed to be one of their lambs. Um, oh, you came with that money? Oh, no, no. See, we have to exchange that currency because God doesn't like that kind of money. He only likes this kind of money. And so we need to, yeah, I know our rates are higher than everywhere else, but hey, guess what? You want to sacrifice, right? How much do you actually love God? You see the manipulation and the tactic. It's a crime. Jesus didn't like it. He didn't like it. He got mad. Jesus can't get mad. Yeah, he can. And so should you. The, the idea of like Christians should never get mad, that's just dumb. I don't get that. Like, seriously, you should have like a holy indignation over things happening in our world today. There, you should just not be okay with certain things in this world. You should be kind of like Jesus, like, I'm going to make a whip. Um, now, you can't literally do that because you'll go to jail. Um, so don't literally, but he's like, look, you guys are supposed to be representing me and you're still you're robbing these people. You're abusing these people. And so he drove out the money changers and all that stuff from the temple. That's kind of where it started. 
but it just grew and it grew and it grew and they hated Jesus because he claimed to be God. If anybody tells you that Jesus never claimed to be God, just tell them, well, how about you just read the Bible? Because it clearly is displayed within the gospels. Well, he never says it verbatim like that. Well, okay, come on. Um, there's a story of um, this, this guy who was lower down as Jesus was teaching from the ceiling, lower down, and, uh, and Jesus, Jesus takes hold of that opportunity to communicate to the people that he, in fact, is God, okay? Here's how he does it. He tells this man who is crippled, he says, hey, don't worry about it, kid. Your, sons are, your sins have been forgiven. He didn't say you're healed. He didn't do anything. He says, your sins, are for, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees, the religious leaders in the crowd were like, you can't say that. Only God can say that. He's like, yeah, I know. Oh, by the way, get up. Roll up your mat. Go home. Right? He's like, I'll show you who I am. I don't have to tell you who I am. I'll show you who I am. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus was showing who he was. Side note, Christians, you don't have to say much. Show them you're Christians. Show them you're Christians. You can say all you want. Show them you're a believer. Show them you love Jesus. Okay? So they, this, this is hostility was growing and growing and growing. And now it, it's kind of, I mean, this is reaching the boiling point for these guys. They're like, rebuke your followers. Tell them to be quiet. This is ridiculous. You cannot allow this to go on anymore. Well, if they, if they don't praise me, nature will. The stones will cry out. And that's enough for them to keep quiet. So but here's, the, here's where the story turns very interesting, at least as, as I was studying it, this go around. Everybody's celebrating. Everybody's celebrating. And they get so caught up in the celebration that nobody's paying attention to Jesus. And that's the danger I referenced earlier. We get so caught up in the celebration and the feeling and the excitement and all the stuff that we stop paying attention to Jesus. Because had you continually been paying attention to Jesus, now I can't be dogmatic on this, but why is it that we only have, we only have one gospel account of this, not that the other guys didn't see this, but Luke makes note of this. Why is it that Jesus is weeping as he is coming to Jerusalem? And you have no indication of the crowds stopping what they're doing to ask him, Jesus, what's wrong? And this is something that I, I would hope that, that we as believers would pay close attention to. Verse 41, it says, but as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Now, this isn't just like this poetic movie kind of thing where it's like one tear comes down his face kind of a thing. This is like weeping. This is crying. Very audible. Very visually, he is moved as he is approaching Jerusalem. Not for the first time. And it won't be for the last time either. But as he is, he knows his destination. He knows the cross is at the end of this week. 
He knows what that means. He knows the suffering. He knows the sins, our sins being poured out onto him. He knows he is there and his brothers, the Jews, totally missed it. And as he's approaching Jerusalem, he is weeping. And it says as he's weeping, verse, uh, verse 42, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace, but now it is too late. The peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close, you, close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Your translation may say your day of visitation. Really, I, that's one of the reasons I appreciate the New Living Translation is because they break it down so that you understand that the phrase, the day of your visitation, basically means God showed up and you missed it. This is why Jesus is, he's crying because he sees what's gonna happen to Jerusalem. And in fact, it would be about 40 years later, 80, 70, they, everything that he said would happen, happened exactly like he said it would happen. Titus would lay siege of Jerusalem starting in April. I think it was April 9th. And the total overthrow would happen by the early, early September of that year. They would literally build ramparts around the city. They literally turned over every stone. Why would they turn over every stone? Here's why. You can go there today. This is what's so cool about it. You can go there today because they'd set this place on fire. Well, in the temple, you got a bunch of gold and it sets on fire and that gold melts and then it goes in between the cracks of the stones. These soldiers are going to get that gold. So what do they do? They knock over the stones to get the gold. Everything Jesus said would happen, happened exactly like he said. And he's broken over the fact that, and you can imagine that, you can see that as he's riding into town on this donkey and everybody's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And he's just looking, he sees like, man, you guys don't get it. You don't get it. You're supposed to do this, but they think the Messiah, like, oh, he's coming in, he's going to kick the Romans out, he's going to overthrow the government, and he's going to set up his throne and all this good stuff. Well, this wasn't the day for that. This was not the time for that. That day will come the most important thing had to happen first. He had to come and die. He had to come and die. And that's part of what they missed. But here he is, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, and he's riding into town, and everybody's celebrating, everybody's caught up in all that stuff. That's fine, but the problem is, is nobody sees Jesus crying. Nobody sees him crying. Nobody sees Jesus broken. The danger, and I'm gonna just say for the church, we get caught up in the emotionalism of everything, right? We get so caught up in the emotionalism and then all the stuff and we're celebrating. It's so good, so good. Church is so good. And I don't want to miss if Jesus is crying. I don't want to miss if Jesus is crying about Galveston. I don't want to miss that. Praise God for the celebrations. Praise God for the worship. Praise God for the, the emotion. Emotions are not bad. When used appropriately, emotions are a great blessing from God. But everything we do cannot be based upon emotion. 
because I don't want to get so caught up in the feelings and the stuff that, well, Jesus, why aren't you celebrating? Jesus, why are you crying? Don't you see what's going on? Don't you see the stuff that they're doing for you, all this amazing stuff we're doing for you? And he's like, yeah, but they're dying. But they're dying. The city's, the city's headed for disaster. I love the celebration. And I, I've said this before. I said this uh, on Wednesday night. Um, Christians should be known as partiers, Right? If you've spent any time in the world, you understand what it's like to party on that side. It's lame, okay? It's lame. It's pathetic. I don't care what you say. I've done it all. I've been there, experienced it. It's lame, the world side. The Christian side, we should be partying all the time. But Christians, we're like, we're the boring ones. Don't become a Christian because then you got to, you know, there's, it's like, no, no, no. I've never had more fun being a, than the time that I've served the Lord Jesus. It's been like 20 years now. It was like miserable over here when they were telling me, no, this is it. And then I gave my life to Jesus, and I'm like, no, this is it. Why aren't more Christians happy? <laughs> why, are, why are we seen and painted as like the grumpy ones? We win. He won. I'm all for the celebrating. But I, I want to keep it balanced, though. I want to be aware of what Jesus sees. And I think that's main, my point within the story. Yes, I understand the historical significance of the triumphant in, in, entry. I get the prophecy stuff. I know it happened on that day when it was prophesied. I get that. That's amazing. That's absolutely incredible. What I don't want to miss is what he sees. I don't want to miss that. And I don't want you to miss that either. As you're following Jesus, get excited about following Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Do that. Absolutely. Be like King David right? Undignified, so to speak, and just celebrating Jesus and who he is. But I also want to be, I, I just want to keep my eyes on him so that when he begins to weep, it causes me to pause for a second and say, okay, Lord, what am I missing? What am I missing? I love the city I'm in. I love Galveston. I love it. It's taken a while to get used to, but I love it. Um, there's a lot to this town that's different from where I was from in Amarillo. Um, but I don't want to get so caught up in the stuff in this, where I'm missing what Jesus is seeing for Galveston, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, if he's weeping for Galveston, I want to know why. I want to know why. I want to weep with him, if that's the case. If he's weeping for our nation. Well, I want to know why. I want to pay attention to that. I don't want to be just so ignorant to whatever, and I'm just, oh, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. If there's something that breaks his heart, I want it to break my heart as well, because I just want to be that close to him. I want to be that in tune with him. I want to see what he sees, and what he sees for, for his people, for the Jews, what he sees is rejection and destruction. They will reject him and the city will be destroyed. But the story's not over. That's what's kind of cool about this thing. It's like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. Um, Palm Sunday, this is, wait, we should be walking out of here waving palm branches, right? Like, that's what we, I didn't bring you any because all our palm branches are dead because we got to freeze. You can go by my house and cut off as many as you want. You can take the dead tree if you want. I don't care. No, we can walk out of here rejoicing 
but I would hope that we have an awareness about us as Christ followers. Lord, I just want to see what you see. And it's not what you see, because it's not an issue of what he saw. It's an issue of who he saw. It's who he saw. And that's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for you, whether you're just hanging out here for today or, or this is your church home or whatever. I, I would just pray that we would see who he sees. Celebrate him when it's appropriate. Go nuts. Celebrate him when it's appropriate. Sing at the top of your lungs because he is worthy of it. But don't miss seeing what he sees and who he sees. We need to disassociate ourselves from this notion that this is heaven. This is not heaven. This is not your home. This is the mission field. This is the battlegrounds. We're passing through this place. We can pass through this place praising him and worshiping all the live long day, all the whole way there. But never forget, because it'll happen at the end of this gospel, it'll happen at the end of the other gospels. You've been called on this mission to see the ones he sees, to pursue the ones he is pursuing, to be the messenger, so to speak, of this beautiful gospel message that he showed up when he was supposed to show up and he did everything he was supposed to do and he died and that's not the end of the story because he rose three days later conquering sin and death, making a way where there was no way for the very ones that you care about, for the very ones that you're surrounded by within this city or that city or wherever it may be. We're on a mission, guys. We're on a mission. And all I, all I would pray, my prayer for, again, for myself, for you guys, is that we would just see who he sees. And man, we would be moved with this compassion to like, all right, Lord, just give me the words. Just, just give me the words to say. Because I want to share your gospel. History tells us that Jerusalem was sacked and all that good stuff. We, that all took place and everything. Isn't it amazing that the story's not over, though? Like, he's not done with the Jews. That's beautiful. That's crazy, right? Like, he's not done with the Jews. He's coming back. There's going to be a revival, all this cool stuff. Read Revelation. It's awesome. But from where we're at today, celebrating Palm Sunday, we're looking back on this day, but where we're at today, he has you where he has you, specifically on this day, Number one, yes, to celebrate him, but then also to go and tell people about him. To go and tell people about him. It may not be the Romans that are coming that are the biggest threat or anything like that, but you can read Revelation. Destruction is coming. Destruction's coming for this world. Not for Jerusalem, so to speak, but for the entire world. The end is coming. Destruction's coming. I would say... Praise them, celebrate them, but never forget, we're on a mission. We're on a mission. Destruction's down the road, guys. That should move us. That should move us like it moved him. Like it moved him. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the
We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from God's Word on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has been teaching through a series called The Road to Redemption. As you learn about the journey and progression that led Jesus to the cross, you come to humbly appreciate what Jesus was willing to step into for you. Why on earth would he agree to such a torturous path that would ultimately lead to his imminent death? Well, if the story only ended on the cross, it would be no story. It'd just be history. But the story carries on because Jesus' death meant life for all. His sacrificial death took the sins of all that no one else could bear. But because Jesus is God, he didn't just stay dead with your sins. He conquered death, proving that he's stronger than death, which makes you free from the debt of sin. That's such a relief, isn't it? Are you familiar with this narrative, or is this all new information for you today? Well, if you have questions, would you get in touch with us? Go to breadforthebroken.com and fill out the form under the contact tab. We'd be happy to follow up with you on what you heard in today's message. If you'd like to explore more teachings from this series or other books of the Bible, you can also do this at our website, breadforthebroken.com. With that, our time with... With that, our time with you has come to an end today, but join us again next time as Pastor James shares more in this series called Road to Redemption. Jesus didn't come to redeem just a select few. He came to save you too. So be encouraged and inspired by what you hear on Bread for the Broken.